0: From the pages of The Blizzard, the Football Quarterly, we bring you The Blizzard Podcast, a weekly look back through The Blizzard Archives, where we bring you some of our favourite articles to have appeared in the magazine since we began back in 2011. In episode 94, we feature Crime of Passion by Paul Brown, first published in issue 23 in December 2016. The first full international match between France and England was played on the 15th of May 1923, at the Stade Pershing in the Bois de Vincennes in Paris. It was an interesting game, attended by an impressive 30,000 spectators, despite driving rain and hail. France had beaten an England amateurs team at this same venue in 1921, but a similar result was not expected against the full England side. The French team was all amateur, drawn from the regional Paris League, and its best player, Paul Nicolas of Red Star Paris, was out injured. The England team, captained by Charlie Buchan, was mostly professional, but included three amateurs and six debutants. An injury to the forward Frank Hartley meant England played much of the match with ten men. Nevertheless, the English dominated throughout and won 4-1, thanks in part to an early own goal from the French defender Pierre Monnet, the footballer who got away with murder. Fast forward exactly five years, to the night of 15th of May 1928. It was 11pm and Pierre Monny was closing up the restaurant he owned in Boulogne-sur-Mer, before going drinking with friends. By then 32 years old, Monny was well known across the Pas-de-Calais region as the star player of US Boulogne, and remained familiar to football fans throughout the country as a former international. Monny was heading around the corner from his Fenix restaurant on Rue Victor Hugo to Pope's Bar on the busy Rue Coquelin. But before he left, he took out a revolver, loaded it, and placed it in his jacket pocket. Parked in the street outside Pope's bar was a Talbot convertible belonging to Moni's friend, the champion cyclist and Grand Prix motor racing driver, Jean Delpierre. Moni found Delpierre inside the bar, sitting with friends at the counter. Moni said hello, and the men ordered drinks and clink glasses. They laughed and sang together until the bar closed at 1am. Then they decided to go elsewhere for one last bottle. Moni, Delpierre, and a third man, Maurice Dagbert, climbed into Delpierre's car and drove the short distance to the Hotel de la Paix. It was one fifteen am and the hotel doors were closed, so the men rang the bell and stood on the pavement, quote, chatting cheerfully, as they waited to be let in. Dagbert would later say there was absolutely no indication that anything unusual might happen. But, suddenly, Moni pulled the revolver out of his pocket, pointed it at Delpierre, and shot his friend four times from close range. The first bullet pierced Delpierre's hat, the second hit him in the left arm, the third struck his thigh, and the fourth punctured his abdomen. Terribly wounded, Delpierre stumbled into a nearby cafe, where his bleeding was stemmed with bandages. By the time the doctor arrived, Delpierre was in a dire condition. He was immediately transferred to the Saint-Louis hospital for emergency surgery. Meanwhile, Monny had fled, hurrying to the town's port, where he threw his jacket and the revolver into the sea. Pierre Monny was born in Paris in 1886, and came to Boulogne during the First World War as a pilot in the pioneering French air force, the Aeronautique Militaire. Described by his squadron leader as exceptional, he was awarded the Medaille Militaire for bravery. After the war, Monny studied law, although football was a major distraction. He played for US Boulogne as one of two full-backs, the only defenders in what was typically a 2-3-5 formation, alongside his younger brother Alexis. Pierre's cigarette-card portraits from the time show a handsome, clean-shaven chap with the ubiquitous 1920s slick-back hairstyle. After Pierre played for a North representative team in a match against a Paris eleven, the brothers came to the attention of the National Selection Committee. Both Pierre and Alexis made their international debuts against Italy in Milan in January 1920. The sports newspaper La Vie Sportive regarded the selection of the Monny brothers as a sensible choice, saying they played perfectly together and were the best defensive pairing around. However, the paper soon had cause to revise that opinion. In a, quote, mediocre display, France lost 9 4. The Monny brothers and the goalkeeper Maurice Cottenay were severely criticised by the French press and spectators. Paris Soir said the Monny brothers had played so poorly that their international careers might be over. Alexis was never chosen to play for his country again. Pierre was selected for the France squad coached by Fred Pentland at the 1920 Olympics, but didn't get a game. In 1921, Pierre Monny moved to CASG Paris. CASG won the Coupe de Paris in 1922 and reached the latter stages of the Coupe de France. Moni played well, and was recalled to the national team, although Paris Soir suggested this reflected the selection committee's bias towards Paris-placed players, saying, Would he have regained the committee's confidence if he had remained quietly in Boulogne-sur-Mer? With Moni back in the side, France lost 3-0 to Spain, 4-1 to Belgium, 8-1 to the Netherlands, and then, following Moni's own goal, 4-1 to England. His international record was not impressive. Played five, lost five, conceded 28. Moni didn't play for his country again. He left Paris and returned to Boulogne, first with OSC Boulogne and, in 1926, back to US Boulogne. In the same, in that same year, he took over the Phoenix restaurant on Rue Victor Hugo. After shooting Delpierre, Moni walked to a friend's house and asked to be driven to Calais where his wife, Paul, and their daughter were staying with his in-laws. Monny waited in the street outside the in-laws' house until 6am, then went inside, kissed his daughter and left. At 6.15, he went to Calais police station and asked to see the commissioner, saying he had, quote, done a bad thing. The officer on duty told Monny that the commissioner would not come into work before 8am. So Moni took a train back to Boulogne, walked into Boulogne police station and told them, here I am. Moni was said to be overcome with emotion as he was questioned. He explained that he suspected Delpierre of having an affair with his wife. As his closest friend, Delpierre spent a lot of time at Moni's restaurant, and was often left alone with Paul. Delpierre and Paul went on outings together, and had recently taken a trip to Nice. After the trip, Paul asked Moni for a divorce, and took their daughter to Calais. Moni became very depressed, and plotted revenge. He admitted to buying the revolver with the intention of using it. He was charged with the attempted murder with premeditation of his supposed best friend. Jean Delpierre was ten years older than Moni, and was best known locally as a cyclist. He was regarded as the champion of the North, having won the equivalent of the Tour du Nord. But he was also a motor racing driver, selected by Peugeot to race in the 1913 French Grand Prix at Amiens. Delpierre was photographed sitting in Peugeot's EX3 car ahead of the race. He was mustachioed, with centre-parted hair, and wore a slight, perhaps nervous, smile. Unfortunately, del crashed the EX3 into a ditch during his first lap and was forced to retire. This indignity, plus the onset of war, put an end to his sporting career. He became a forwarding agent, involved in the transportation of horses, and spent his evenings drinking in the bars of Boulogne. Now lying in a St. Louis hospital, Delpierre was in a critical condition. He had undergone major abdominal surgery and was suffering from peritonitis. Delpierre died the following day, May 17th, at 5 p.m. Monny, on hearing the news, expressed his keenest sorrow. The charge was upgraded to murder. Pierre Monny was tried on the 2nd of October 1928 in Arras in a cramped civil court, as the criminal court had been damaged during the war and had not yet been repaired. The public gallery was packed with a smartly dressed crowd that was said to include every sportsman from Boulogne to Calais, all of whom, quote, wore nervous masks. Journalists from Paris fought with local reporters over the eight available press seats. The president of the court advised the gallery that it was likely to hear some scandalous details, and invited the, quote, good company of ladies present to leave the room. All but one of the ladies remained in their seats. When Monny entered the courtroom after five months in prison, those who knew him were shocked by his aged and emaciated appearance. He wore an expression of terror on his face and stared straight ahead, quote, as if under a dizzy spell. When he eventually spoke, Monny told the court, in faltering words, that he regretted his act of madness, which had been driven by jealousy. His restaurant was frequented by a group of friends who were often over-familiar with Paul. It offended me greatly, said Monny. Monny had taken the revolver with the intention of confronting Delpierre. But why, the court asked, had Monny ended up drinking, laughing, and even singing with him? The song the men had sung, it was explained, was Manon, from the comic opera of the same name, about a deceived husband and an unfaithful wife. Restaurant regulars had nicknamed Paul Monny, Manon. I sang bitterly because they were mocking me, said Monny. I was well aware of that. Later that night, as the men stood outside the Hotel de la Paix, Delpierre made a jibe about Manon. It was this final insult that caused Monny to fire the revolver. I saw red, said Monny. Yes, I saw red. The court called eighteen witnesses, the most anticipated of whom was Paul Monny. Many of those in the gallery showed great sympathy for Pierre and hostility towards Paul. The press also seemed happy to cast Paul as the victim of the piece, with L'Eco describing her as the real culprit. Will she show any pity for the man who died because of her, the paper wondered, or for the man who, after all, killed out of love for her? Taking the stand, a tearful Paul denied having an affair with Delpierre. I've been besmirched, she said. It's shameful. Paul described her husband as an immoral, lazy, brutal man. She admitted she had taken the trip to Nice with Delpierre, but said that was because her husband neglected her. He left me free to follow my own inclinations, and I let him follow his, that's all. It was noted by the president of the court that, while Paul may have had a weakness for other men, Pierre had a similar predilection for other women. Several witnesses testified to his apparent infidelities, but the sympathy in the courtroom remained with Pierre. The closing arguments included a lengthy and stirring defence speech. At 2.35am, 14 hours after the trial had begun, the members of the jury were sent out to deliberate. They returned shortly afterwards and, when asked if Pierre Monnier was guilty of murder, replied, Non. Monnier was acquitted. The crowd, which had stayed until the end, cheered. Moni, the colour draining from his face, collapsed onto the desk in front of him, seemingly unable to believe the outcome. The footballer had got away with murder, but his reputation was in pieces. Newspaper columnists said Moni's sporting fame had been allowed to obscure the brutality of Delpierre's killing. He enjoyed the sunny glory of football stadiums, and realized the dreams of thousands of teenagers," said Le Journal. Handsome, brave, and rich, Moni seemed to have a happy life. And then he killed his best friend. All was lost in a foolish act, and Pierre Moni is a ruined man. That was Crime of Passion by Paul Brown, first published in issue 23 in December 2016. That article, along with nearly 600 others, is available to read for free at theblizzard.co.uk. Non-subscribers get access to just three articles a month, so we'll have to choose wisely. While subscribers not only have full access to the complete back catalogue through their browsers, but also a range of ebook downloads of every issue we've ever published. If you have any comments, feedback, or suggestions about these podcasts, you can email us podcast@theblizzard.co.uk or find us on Twitter at blizzard. B L double Z R D.